Up next on Inside the SCCA, catching up with a whole bunch of Hall of Famers with lots of national championships. On this, on this episode of Inside the SCCA, we've got a whole bunch of folks that I could easily call solo legends. They're all SCCA Hall of Famers. First up, we're going to have Bob and Pathy, uh, Patty Tanell, right? Did I get it right, guys? Yep, yep. That's it. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I was like, is it Tunnel? But then Kathy correct me, so thank you so much. Uh, Kathy Barnes will be with us and Karen Babb later in the half in the hour. So welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. So uh, this is the, I want to say the third episode that we've done previewing the 50th Solo Nationals. And when I got together with all the folks uh, at, uh, at National and said, we're going to do these shows, who should I talk to? Uh, we, we identified a whole bunch of folks and scheduled them in. And uh, all of the folks on today's episodes were um, were what we were what I was told are must haves. So uh, you're in the must haves club, and uh, I'm so happy that you're all here. And uh, also checking off a bunch of boxes today, um, four or more in my quest to have all of the SCCA Hall of Famers who are still with us uh, on the show. So I'm now checking off four more Hall of Famer boxes. Um, <laughs> So we, we start every episode, if you've watched, uh, with the same question. And that is, and, and I want each of you to answer separately, um, how did y'all get messed up with this crazy sport that we love? <laughs> how do we make it short? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got involved first. Maybe I'll go first. Um, I've been a car nut all my life. But I had a father who considered auto racing to be very frivolous and didn't want me to have anything to do with it. So it was, oh boy, I guess it was 1982 or in 1983, which would have put me in my early 30s, uh, driving along Interstate 5 south of Seattle overlooking the uh, uh, Camp Boeing plant. And I just happened to glance to my right down below. There was a parking lot with traffic cones and cars going really fast. And I crossed about four lanes of traffic, took the first exit, and drove down there and said, what the heck are you guys doing? This looks awesome. And uh, it might have actually even been Karen Babb uh, and her husband, Ron, or Mark and Jill Snell, uh, said, just explained what was going on. Said, you bring your own car out, and you can drive it as fast as you want around this course. Don't hit anything. And uh, it's fun. And it was cheap. And so I came back the next week and did it. Patty's story is a little bit different than mine. Yeah, he told me about it, really wanted me to come out and try it. Um, I could care less. <laughs> so it, it took it took probably about a year before I decided, ooh, I think this is uh, here to stay. I better go out and see what's going on. So I went out and I watched for about a year. Uh, so now we're at two years. And he kept trying to get me involved, and I didn't want to be involved. And then... Uh, decided uh being the good wife that i am that i would go ahead and and try it i had not paid attention though to the whole idea of missing the cones i actually thought the idea was to knock out as many cones nice. as you could <laughs> so i did pretty good at that and uh and um after a while i finally got the hang of it and asked bob how we could go faster and he said uh, new tires, which he had been planning for years anyway to try. And that was the whole reason he wanted me to get involved. Happy wife, happy life, you know. Yeah, I get <laughs> it. So, so hitting at all the cones possible, it sounds like your early solo experience was similar to my early golf experience. <laughs> I, I said, I, I, I paid for the entire golf course, so I'm going to find a way to see the entire golf course. Right. Right. Sadly, that's not the way to play golf and, and win. So eventually I learned how to do it better, and, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Bob, your story is interesting because my dad tell, told a similar story. Um, his, his, my grandpa took him to the Indy 500 and the Milwaukee Mile and then couldn't understand why my dad wanted to go racing when he turned 18 and, mm -hmm. and just didn't like it. Dad was in the military, decided to do it anyway, uh, and then I came along, and Dad got into a pretty, pretty – uh, a fiery wreck and a midget uh, 
and decided that it was time to take a break, or at least kind of was pressured into taking a break, and and took many, many, many years off, and mm-hmm. then got back into it when I was sixteen. So, um, but yeah, it's it's funny how the, the the generation before was not thinking racing was a fun thing to do. It was a great thing to watch, maybe, but not a fun thing to do. Um, I could do anything I wanted, just couldn't do it. Exactly, exactly. So, so from that moment, what was the first car you guys drove? Well, all I remember, I think it was like a 1978 Chirago truck oh. with a luggage rack on top. Nice. <laughs> that was the second car. The okay. first first car I drove was a uh, 1970 NSU TT1000. A little okay. rear engine car. Looked like a like a Corvair that had been left in the dryer too long. It's uh, <laughs> about seven eight scale Corvair. Great little car. But Patty's right. The 78 Chiraco was the first one we autocrossed together. With a luggage rack. And a luggage rack, yep. With a luggage rack. That sounds very solo. I mean, r- 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 run what you brung and yep. have a good time doing it. So the Corvair, was that car competitive? Uh, the NSU? Yeah, mean, or the Corvair-looking yeah. car? Yeah, I just ran it for a couple of events and was up against a local guy in a Ford Cortina who was very experienced. So I don't think I ever beat him, but uh, I was close, and it was fun, and uh, and it was the car I had. Right. And, it worked out great. So when you switched to the Scirocco, was it because it was the car you had or because you wanted a car that was better at solo? Was, was there an idea when you got the Scirocco that that was the goal? I blame Randy Post. Well, we blame Randy for a lot of things. We've, I know. We, we've this had... is just one of many things I blame Randy for. <laughs> <laughs> so now, was... I, uh, After I ran the NSU a couple times, um, and Karen and Ron and some others had turned me on to the Northwest region newsletter. I started looking at results. Then I started looking at results nationally. And I noticed that Randy and Linda Post had won the year before in a 78 Chiraco. And I happened to see one for sale in the area. And I thought, all right, this will be a good place to start. Uh, I'll start out with the right car and see what else I, I have to learn. So it was, a, it was a real good platform to start with. Right, right. And how quickly did you take before you started to have success with it locally well locally had success right away right Uh, but then you go to nationals for the first time you get your eyes open (laughs) uh it took it took a long time patty had success fairly quickly at nationals but it took me oh gosh seven years to win my first championship wow but uh even that first year i was 24th out of 24 at the end of day one and then it rained the second day, and in Seattle, you get really good rain training. So I was fourth fastest after the second day, and that's when I first thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Cool, cool. So what was your first year at Nationals, and did you both go together that first year? Yeah, we went together in 1985. Okay. All right. And uh, and Patty, how was your experience when you went to Nationals that first time? Um, same, same thing, overwhelmed with being a, a – little fish in a big pond. Um, I think it took me a few years. I think to just even get fourth place and that was in somebody else's car. Um, so I don't, I don't remember when I won my first, first nationals, but 1990. Well, okay. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So that's five years in. So talk to me just a little bit about the, the dynamic of husband and wife doing the same thing together. I tried to teach my wife golf once, and uh, not not the smartest decision I've ever made. Um, <laughs> did, Patty, did you take? Did you want Bob's help? Did you seek out other people? How did that whole thing work? Um, actually, I think for us it worked out pretty good. Um, I met Bob when I just turned fifteen years old, and so he taught me how to drive. Just oh. you know, taught me how to drive, and so he's the only person that has taught me how to race i've never taken a, a class or anything like that um so i think it worked out well except we had to kind of learn the timing of it so when i come back from a run and i've just totally blown it like don't talk to me right now <laughs> so that that took a few years that type of thing right so He's a good teacher uh, obviously, you worked out that part of it, and you knew when to walk away and, and not speak up. Yeah. So, so Bob has a virtual background. You guys have a virtual background, and Bob has this go this Star Wars thing going on. So, 
Uh, I just wanted to let oh. the folks at home know that uh, that's what's going on. I'm sure they probably figured that out. But uh, <laughs> you know, P- Patty's sticking around. Bob's coming in and out. So um, it's all good. It's all good. So so now we've got the Scirocco. We're at Solo Nationals. Um, Patty wins in, in 95 the first time, right? Or 90? 90. 90. Oh, wait, what? For first national yes. champion? Yeah. 90. Nine, 90. Great, great. And, and how far behind, Bob, was it before you got your first one? Another two years. Okay. So for, for two years, uh, Karen's husband, Ron, started a Husbands of National Champions Club <laughs> because it was many years after Karen won her first. And uh, so I was inaugurated into Ron's club in 1990 and uh, wore that badge proudly for a couple of years till I won my own championship. Very cool. Very cool. So I, I'm, I'm hoping to join y'all for the first time at, at runoffs or at, uh, at Seoul Nationals this year. Um, what, what am I, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> Probably the biggest party automotive party you've ever been to. I like that. That was actually one of the first things we noticed when we went to nationals, it was at the old Crawford road site in Salina, but even back in, in 1990, there were close to 600 competitors there. And, you know, we were used to local events where there were 60 or 70 and that was big. Right. So going to a four day event, uh, and, Having the, uh, uh, the the talent show that we used to have, and one night everybody going to the Brookville Hotel for chicken dinner, and the softball games. I mean, it was the, the racing was obviously the most important thing and the thing that drew us there. But it's a week long party, yeah. and you're there with a bunch of your friends, uh, some that you knew before you got there, and many of them you didn't know till you went home. But uh, that's if you make it out, that's the thing I think you're going to notice the most mm-hmm. is just. The racing, I don't want to say it's secondary because we're there to race, sure. but uh, you don't have to win. You just, uh, just being there and being a part of the crowd is, is a giant win in itself. So I think we're going to have on this hour more national champion championships represented uh, than I've had on any podcast up to this point. Uh, Patty, how many do you have? I don't remember. <laughs> I knew we should have looked this up beforehand. It you, sounds so arrogant to say that. I knew but. I was going to ask. Uh, <laughs> ball, ballpark estimate? <laughs> I think pro between, solo and solo? Including pro solo between the two of us, it's somewhere around 30. Wow. Nine or 30. That's pretty cool. So when you started doing this, Bob, and you, you stumbled upon a solo, and, and you went up and you did your first one, was there ever any thought in your mind that at some point in time you and your wife would have 30 or so national championships to your name? Never. I never thought we'd have one. Um, but Northwest region where we learned uh, is blessed with a number of national championships and a champion. So every year after Everybody come back from nationals. I mean, we we had a big carpool. We'd have five or six or seven cars. Babs, Babs included, Snells included, carpooling between Seattle and Denver. We camp out along the way, uh, and when we get back, somebody usually I remember right. It was usually the Babs would host a party afterwards, and we'd celebrate if anybody won. And they won. The Snells won. Uh, Bob and Sharon Wallace won. There were there were a number of uh, of friends. So we got to see what it was like. And we'd race with them every week and get tips from them. And within two, three years, we began to have a vision that, okay, maybe maybe someday we'll be able to pull this off. That group that you just mentioned, were you all in different classes completely? Or were you competing against each other head to head? No, I think we were different classes. Pretty much in different classes. Um, yeah, we were in our, in our typically Volkswagen, started in the Scirocco, also had a Rabbit. Uh, Snells were in their Lotus or an RX-7, I think at the time. That's what they were running in, uh, probably in CSP or something like that. Uh, Snells had a Legrand, and I, I can't remember what everybody is. Uh, Wallace's had an X-19 in D Street, D Stock. So yeah, everybody in different classes, but uh, all kind of working together and helping each other. Are you still competing today? The two of us? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep, not as many events, but uh, we d- we've run nationals every year since '85. Yeah, and I'm assuming you'll be you'll be there for this year. Definitely. Yep. 
Yeah, we were one of the lucky 1,300 that, uh, that made it in. Yeah, I understand, though, that um, usually most of the people on the wait list also get in by the time it's all said and done. I'm hoping that is the case. Yeah, um, I, I hope so, too. But um, so so now you're going back for, let's see, 85. I don't, I'm not going to do the math. I became a journalist because I don't have to do math without a calculator when you're a journalist. Um, <laughs> but, but that sounds like it's going to be 30, almost 30 years now, right? Yeah, 39. Yeah. Does it ever get old? We do. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're one of the older people that are still doing this. Right. You know, the the thrill of driving has never never left. The, The intensity, knowing what it takes to win a national championship and to be competitive at the highest level, that's stressful. And I would say our, I don't know, I'll, I'll speak for myself here. Um, it, I'm not quite as motivated. I don't, I'm not willing to work as hard, but I'm also a little older and wiser and, uh, and hopefully I can work a little smarter. And, uh, you know, so we only, we typically can only run about four or five, six events a year, given all the other things that we're doing these days. Sure. And it, it's tough to show up at nationals and be nationally competitive when you're not thoroughly seasoned because, a lot of the 20 and 30 year olds that we're running against, they are doing what we used to do. They're running 30, 40 events a year and uh, they're sharp as a tack. So uh, it doesn't get old, but it doesn't get easier either. When, when you're running up against the young, the younger folks who are doing it the way you used to do it and you have a good result, that's got to be pretty, uh, make you feel pretty good, right? It's awesome. It's, it's difficult not to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if someone is is going for the first time, what are your what are your recommendations as far as um, obviously be 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 prepared to be humble? I'm guessing because I suspect if you've never been there before, the whole even just getting used to the the rhythm of the event is very different from anything you're going to do it on, on the local level. Um, you know, I, I would expect that um, even if you're really good locally, which I am not. Um, you should expect to have probably not as good of a finish as you probably think you are. I I say, well, I say don't expect to win, but right. You know, of course we all hope to, but so many weird things happen at nationals. The people that you're used to seeing win locally or at national tours, you know, the real big names that are always winning, they don't necessarily win at nationals. They can finish way down in the standings. That just weird stuff happens. So go ask questions, enjoy the event, experience all of it, find those people out there who are those big names and pick their brain a little bit. I'm guessing uh, that is a, a fairly common occurrence when you go to Lincoln. Sure. Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely encourage people just try to take it all in. It, it's so easy. It's so big that you can get caught up in the moment and kind of forget where you are. And if you're focused only on the competition and getting down to the practice course and getting as many sessions in as you can there, you're going to miss out on seeing a lot of people that you want to see, doing a lot of things that you want to do. And if you've got time off, if you can spend the whole week there, the city of Lincoln's got a lot of great things to go see. Go to the Speedway Museum. Mm. Uh, That's a shameless plug because our car happens to be in it right now. (laughs) Nice. They have a new SCCA display in the museum that, that's really cool. The whole museum is one of the top five automotive museums in the country. Very but cool. seriously, just, I just encourage people to slow things down and try to take it all in and, and enjoy the time that you're there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember how I finished at most races, but I do remember mm-hmm. all the times of driving around in a golf cart, mooning people. So, but <laughs> I figured out the group of people I want to hang out with when I go. So um, the Scirocco, have you had cars since then? What other cars have you taken to Nationals? Well, Scirocco was first, a rabbit after that. Um, Then we got into Volkswagen Jettas. Uh, We we bought a car that had been built and prepared by TC Klein and Alan McConnell ran it very successfully. And it was the first time we actually bought a car that, that we knew was nationally competitive. And uh, Patty won in it right away. It took me a while. 
But after that, in 1995, we got our first BMW, and we've okay. been exclusively in BMWs, with one exception, uh, since then. Uh, typically one that we own, in fact, the one that we ran for 20 plus years is the one that's in the museum. But uh, yeah, other than three years ago, we did a little experiment with a, uh, with a demodified kit car. But other than that, it's all, all been B all BMW all the time. But are the BMW we drove for all those years changed throughout the years. It wasn't it started out stock and then sure. we would win. We went ahead and would modify it, and take it up to the next class. So. Is that a fairly typical story? Someone starts with a car that's pretty stock and then 10 years later they're they're they've got slicks on it or whatever. They they do a little something every year to to take it up to the next step. I don't, so. I, I don't know how typical it is, but it, it's not it, it's not all that uncommon. Sure. Um, and what I see a lot of is people end up modifying their cars and they get to a point where they really, really like the car and like the way it works and they stop changing it. Sure. And I don't blame them. I mean, that's uh, you get the car you want. You want to hang on to it. Exactly. We just had a kind of a challenge ahead of us that if we won a championship, we wanted to move to another category and just kept on modifying it. And it was the Peter principle. Uh, in play we modified it to the point that it wasn't competitive anymore so yeah on the museum to store it for us <laughs> so how many different categories have you won t titles in do you, you know you remember uh, patty has won in in five categories all in that same car i've won in five categories but one of those was in that demodified car that i talked about okay uh, but there's there's still street touring that didn't exist as we were elevating our car through the ranks. So we now have a car that we're hoping to run in street touring and win a championship there in the next two, three years. I want to demod in that car too. I oh, know. Oh, they said only in the. <laughs> you thought I was shortcutting her on a championship, <laughs> but I know better. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So, all right, story time. You, you, you can you can change the names to protect the innocent if you wish. But it's just the it's just the three of us here. You don't have to change your names if you don't want All to. Right. Um, give give me some wacky some wacky nationals stories. I know they're out there. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned moon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a great storyteller, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm 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 drawing a blank here. All of a sudden. So I hear, though, that there was this uh, fairly fun, over the years, talent show. Yeah. Did you guys participate <laughs> in that at all? <laughs> um, that you, one that you'll admit time, to? <laughs> I, I didn't actively participate, but someone dressed up and and uh, played the part of Bob Tunnell in a, in a skit. <laughs> Cliff Rosenberg did, and uh, actually I was pretty flattered, but... Uh, I think the most interesting story about the talent show was the way it it met its demise. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, we uh, when we were in uh, Topeka, Kansas, there was a uh, um, there was a there was an adult. Oh, what's the pleasant way to say this? <laughs> Baby dolls was ah. a club nearby that was frequented by uh, <laughs> many of the competitors. It was a, it was a constant hangout. Sure. And uh, the talent show was not there. Don't get me wrong. It was at <laughs> another location. But uh, a couple of the Corvette drivers did a video of their car and one or two of the uh, of the models from the sure. establishment had come out and posed on the car. And when the video, it was not previewed. And when it was showed <laughs> at the talent show, uh, it, it offended and upset a uh, number of people. And I think that was the last talent show we ever had. <laughs> there you go. It's too bad too, because BFG sponsored it for a long time and Kumo sponsored it. It was, it, it was real. There are some very, very talented, uh, soloists that, uh, singers, piano players, uh, it's too bad to see that go. That was, that was a real highlight for a long time. So as, as we wrap up with you guys, before we, we move on and, and bring Kathy and, and Karen in, is there is there a particular national championship that you had a battle with another driver back and forth over the course of the week that you're really proud of um, for both you and and the person you were competing against that it was really a fun spirited competition and and uh, and you you were able to grab the title in the end is there one one event of each that you guys could each kind of put your finger on for something like that? Um, what I remember most was 
um, I think, well, it wasn't necessarily nationals, I think. It was um, competition. It was pro solo. Mm. And it was um, fighting for the championship. Let's see if I can get this right. I was racing against um, uh, Paula. And I, I was, the, I think the nationals that means the most to me was I got a head injury back in um, June of 2001. And the doctors had all said, you're never going to race again. So you got to get that out of your head. Well, of course, my entire goal was to get behind the wheel again. Sure. Well, worked pretty hard at it. I was able to go to nationals, um, but it was, it was a real tough nationals. Um, because I was so fresh on this head injury. And I remember I was running way behind. Um, my, I lost my peripheral on the le left side. And so I just wasn't making left-hand turns. And I had one more shot at it. And Bob said, just, <laughs> he said, just go out there. And he said, when you get to this certain point, count one, two, three, and then just turn the wheel really hard <laughs> to the left, <laughs> even though you don't see it. And I did that, and eventually I caught up, and I ended up winning nationals. Wow! Right after this head injury, and and to me that was with one eye tied behind your back. <laughs> that was the most. That was so memorable for somebody sure. who doesn't have a memory to, you know, actually be able to run again and win. And yeah, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Bob, do you have do you have one of the kind of sticks in your mind that was the most fun or the most rewarding? I think the most rewarding, um, <clears throat> 1995, the year that I was driving a BMW 318iS in D, D stock. And it was basically me against the neons. It's back when Dodge, Plymouth and Dodge were paying sure. very, very high contingency money. And it was a field, I forget how many cars now, but it was something in the neighborhood of 35 or 40 neons and me. Yeah. And, win that year uh not that my goal was to deprive my competitors of their <laughs> contingency money i felt bad about that no you did but, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, just a little privateer uh, i'd only won one championship before that so a sure. little privateer uh in in, in the, the car was the odd man out and to be able to beat all those guys or six other national championship champions in the class uh that was that was the one that really stands out to me that's pretty cool Bob, Patty, thank you so much for spending some time with us here. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, if I get all Absolutely. my ducks properly put in a row, I'll uh, be, be sure to look you up when I get to Lincoln and and oh, uh, and shake your hands and and find a find a way to party with you guys because it sounds like you you guys have figured out how to have a good time. So sounds good. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take ourselves a short break here, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna have uh, Karen Babb, Kathy Barnes joining us for the rest of the show. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor all. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to Inside the SECA. This week, we're continuing our multiple episode series, getting ready for the 50th SECA Solo National Championships. And uh, now I can't uh, tell you how happy I am uh, that our guests have, uh, have reset and rejoined. Thanks again to uh, Bob and Patty Tunnell for joining us on the first half. But now we have Kathy Barnes, Karen Babb. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Brian. So you know how we're going to start, because I know you watched the first half hour. I'm going to ask you both the same question. Let's start with let's start with Kathy. H how did you get messed up in this crazy sport that we do? When I was student teaching, I street raced one of the teachers in the height in my in the school I was in and the next day he informed me I drove like an idiot my friends were jerks and I'd probably be dead before I was 30 but if I wanted to meet some people who really knew how to drive I should meet him at the donut shop at six o'clock in the morning and follow him down to 
the racetrack. I got involved doing timing and scoring there. Met a guy. He told me about autocross. Went to the autocross and never looked back. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Karen, same question. How did you get? How did you get involved? Well, when I got out of college, I decided I was going to buy myself a car. Fortunately, I had a job by then. Um, and for whatever reason, I bought myself a brand new RX-7. Okay. Um, I had carpooled with a guy who had one and thought it was just gorgeous, so I figured I'd buy one. And the company I worked for. Uh, large outfit you might have heard of called Boeing mm. had a company recreation program, which um, sponsored a whole bunch of different activities uh, for employees. And one of those company recreation clubs was the auto sports club. And they had a driving school and advertised it in the Boeing newspaper. And I thought I should go out to this and learn how to drive this car because by then I'd already heard a few things about the RX-7 being a little bit twitchy. <laughs> and I didn't really know what that meant, but I thought I ought to find out. Um, so I went out to the driving school, uh, which I think was either free or less than $5, and um, had a great time. Um, they encouraged everyone in the school to start running the open events. They gave us a schedule, um, explained to us how to show up early and do walkthroughs and things like that. And so I went out to uh, my first real event, oh, probably about two weeks later, and that's where I met Ron. And the rest is kind of history. So you met your future husband. I did. At an autocross. I did. He was co-driving with someone else. Um, interestingly enough, also in an RX-7, same color as mine. Well, his co-driver had to leave for some family thing. And a bunch of his friends got together with him and dared him to ask me if he could drive my car. Oh. Because it was a silver RX-7. Um, and I, he, he asked me, he was very polite and very, very shy. And he asked me if he could maybe drive my car. And I went and looked and he was beating me by 10 seconds. <laughs> so I thought, okay, he obviously knows how to do this a whole lot better than I do. Maybe he could help me. Mm. So I said, yeah, sure. Go for it. And um, yeah, he beat me in my own car really badly. And I spent an awful lot of time trying to fix that over the years. <laughs> so it had nothing to do with, with romance. It was just clearly you wanted to become a better autocrosser. At first, yeah. Eventually, he did ask me out, and it, you know, progressed into forty years of marriage. But um, yeah, I just wanted—I—I I, I could tell by the margin of time that I was either I was really bad or everybody else was really good. And I thought there has to be a learning curve here. I have to be able to figure this out somehow. Right. And he turned out to be a really great teacher, and that was helpful too. Well, that that goes back, I guess, to the question I asked Bob and Patty because you know. Not everybody is good at learning from their significant other, and it doesn't always work out so well. So apparently it worked out really well for you two. It was excellent. He um he reduced my vocabulary in the car during a run to about five words. Um, gas, brake, feather, weight was one of them. Okay. And I don't remember the fifth one. And those were the only directives he would give me, and he would give them to me at what he thought was about the right time. And... By doing this with him coaching me, I could feel that the car was capable of vastly more than I had any idea it could do. And that helped a lot. If those were the five words, I'm impressed because usually the words that are coming out of my mouth are, are expletives yelling at myself <laughs> for doing oh, something yeah. extraordinarily stupid uh, <laughs> as I know I should be doing it differently. Um, Kathy, so, so when you got involved, how, how quickly did you get to... Um, the point where you felt really kind of competitive behind the wheel. Oh, I was awful. <laughs> We're all awful I, I was, when we start. I was so slow. And um, I was driving my boyfriend's Triumph TR4. I'm a bit older than all the rest of these people. <laughs> and Triumphs, old Triumphs. They're not good on hot summer days when you have to sit at the line because somebody hit the timing lights. And um, I kind of had a meltdown because the car was having a meltdown. And that was the first time I ever drove fairly well because um, I was furious at the idiot that had hit the lights because he'd hit him the run before, too. And it screwed me up. And that's when I realized that, like, oh, this is really fun. And nothing bad happens when I do that. <laughs> 
so, it's cool. So you were you were fired up a little bit at that moment? Oh my god. Yes. I have to laugh. Because <laughs> Kathy and I got to know each other many, many years ago, uh, when she was the RE at New England region and I was the flag chief for New York region. Uh, and and very new at flag chiefing. And uh, I I was scared to death of Kathy <laughs> Barnes. <laughs> Because I'd seen you uh, um, put your foot down. Let's just put it that way. And I was like, I just got to do it right. And uh, and then we got to know each other. And and uh, it it was I had nothing to be scared of. I've learned that. So, but it's really great that we're connecting here after all these years and and talking about this. But uh, you have I, I'm not surprised because I bet you could get a little fired up when when you're not happy with how things are going in the, in the car. Yeah, every once in a while. <laughs> What, um, and how many years, Kathy, before you ended up going to nationals? So I started autocrossing in 72. Um, and there, are, are you a hundred such... percenter? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't go to nationals until 81. Okay, this okay. is going to be my 40th because I missed a couple of years. Um, and I never figured I could do well there and it was you know a long trip and why should I go and um then I changed the people I hung around with and um I understood what Bill Goodale always said it's like you just gotta go and so some friends said yeah why don't you come out you can drive my car you got one like it um we both had Fiat X19s my friends had good shocks and new tires and was in good shape. And mine had 90,000 miles on it and a lot of rust. Um, but we went out and I sat and looked at divisional results and results from nationals the year before I went, huh? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I won't be last. And so I went out in 81 and I drove the car from the Mississippi river for an hour on I-70 to get used to it. And there, there was no chest in tune. And I won. Yeah. And I never looked back. So you have mentioned, and I think before we went on, we were talking about how you've driven a lot of different cars over the years. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of unique to autocross, isn't it? I mean, most other forms of motorsports, you, you have a car set up before you get there, and you run the same car over and over again, so you learn the car. Um, that's kind of a unique especially at nationals. I hear a lot of people come and drive other people's cars at nationals. A lot of people do. Um, being at nationals for all except for about 100 people is, is the thing. Um, I'd rather be at nationals and finish 52nd in um, STS, like I did a few years ago, than not be at nationals because the car I was going to drive out there broke. Um, I just want to be there. Um, I've finished last. I've finished second a whole bunch of times. Um, but I always feel like I won because when I get out there, I can get in my golf cart or get on my bicycle or jump in my rental car and go cruising around the paddock and stop in and say hi to the channels and, you know, stop over and see friends from Iowa and um, visit People that you only see once a year. Yeah. Karen, you're, you, when you got to Nationals for the first time, um, how was your experience and, and how long did it take you to get your first national championship? Well, let's see. Our first one was in 80 and we had no clue. Um, there were a few people from our area who said, what the heck, let's go. And so we joined SCCA a couple months before Nationals and, and headed out on a on a road trip with I think it was three or four other cars were the people um I would say the most amusing thing was sitting at the start line for my first run going what the blazes am I doing here <laughs> um it was it was fairly intimidating um and it took a while it took years for that to go away um let's see first one first one when I actually did it right would be 1983 in the RX-7 um, we were in, what were we in? We were in street prepared. We were in a street prepared. Um, we'd taken the car from stock because the newer ones, uh, had equipment that were better. So we figured we might as well upgrade and go to street prepared. Um, and, and it was, 
not particularly easy, but it was very satisfying yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, so we've had the, the very fortunate uh, ability here in the last hour to have uh, three, three lady national champions on. Um, also something that is uh, part of autocross that has been just so incredibly embraced by the club um, and, and I know y'all champion that. Um, is that part of the legacy of autocross that, that, that y'all are, are kind of proud of? I think it's an important part of the reason this sport works for so many people, because people can do this as families. They can do this as couples, brother, sister, father, son, husband, wife, and nobody's getting left out. Everybody gets to, to feel like an equal. And, and I think there are, you know, as, as Bob and Patty talked about earlier, um, there's financial incentives because the wife, if she's participating, is more supportive of the husband spending more money on tires <laughs> and things like that. Um, you can you can share the, the the whole project of getting the car ready and making it work the way you need it to. The travel, um, it's it's very rewarding to be able to do that as a couple. Um, and I think that the L classes really encourage that. Would you agree with that, Kathy? I do. Um, at one point, you asked a question of Bob and Patty about memorable nationals, and I'm going to kind of jump to that sure. um, right now. In 2001, it was probably the most stressful nationals we ever had. And my class, the ladies' class for E-Prepared, there were four of us. We had run together for eight years. And on our abbreviated one-day nationals, the four of us went all to the start line together. We didn't wait for the grid people. They pointed to the first one, and we all followed her, and we all finished together. And we never ran together again, but that was probably my most memorable incentive to support ladies' classes for this program because you – you get to do this stuff with your family. It's, it's, a, it's a sport for the whole family, but you also develop these tremendous supportive relationships with your competitors, and I don't think I see that anywhere else. Were you both at the 2001 Nationals? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and I was in New York City in 2001, wow. so um, I was not focused on racing at the moment. Um, and, uh, and so remind me of the timing of when nationals was versus September 11th. What was the 9-11 was Tuesday of nationals week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And was it a four day event at that point already? Yes. It was Tuesday through Friday. Okay. Um, the first heat had started, um, a little after 9am if I remember right, our time, our car was supposed to run in the second heat. Um, Paul turned on the radio to hear something about the Yankees score because Yankees. Sure. And he looked at me and said, something terrible has happened in our world. We're from the Northeast. So yep. things that happened in New York hit us pretty hard. And, um, you know, within two to three hours, we had 1135 competitors and all of their stuff out of that site. Um, and only one person complained. And um, we had the support of the airport. We had the support of the community. We had the support of the SCCA president and board of directors, chairman, who was there. I've never seen us work so hard together. Um, and we all took a deep breath and figured out what the heck we had to do. And we were so glad to be able to get together on Wednesday night because the banquet was already paid for. Right. Um, and by then we knew what we were going to do. And uh, David Stremming, manager of the airport, Hall of Fame member, had agreed that it was his airport. And he, if he said we were coming back in, we were coming back in. By God, thank you, David Stremming. You saved Solo Nationals that year. Yeah. And um, we stayed up all night doing run work orders. We ran everything. We ran a car every 18 seconds, which is a stupid gap. 
and it all worked. Yeah. And I was so proud of us. That was we ran nine heats in one day, moment. didn't we? Yeah. There's nine heats on Friday. Wow. And a normal, normal day at nationals is five heats. And how many? Gary Gadula and John Goodale started every single car for those wow. two days. They were amazing. Yeah. So did you run two days of heats then? Thursday, Friday? Is that what it was? Um, everybody got to, if they had not run in that first heat on Tuesday morning, everybody else ran one course. Okay. Yeah, it became a one course event on the one south of the course. Days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't expect this to take that turn, but we did. And, and um, I didn't know until about a week and a half later that we had lost Joe DeLuca and Linda Gronlin. Uh, in the flight that went down over in, in Pennsylvania. And yep. and I did not have, I did not want to go to Lime Rock for that first race after 9-11. And I did. My my wife told me, you got to go. And um, to be with my racing family at that point in time, I didn't understand it until I got there, was so important. And I'm going to try not to get emotional um, for all of us to be together on that day. Um and uh, to think of that being at Solo Nationals through that is just uh, something I'd never even contemplated until you brought it up here. So um, I, I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, but it, it goes to, and, and I've, I haven't run solo in a very long time, but I imagine the solo family is much like the road racing family. Um, and to be there amongst family during that time uh, must have been almost the place you all wanted to be, right? It was. Um, there were some people that had to go home. Yeah, sure. uh, we had a region member who was in the military, yeah. and he had to go, and people that had kids that they needed to take care of had to go. Um, but a lot of us stayed, and it was it was where we needed to be. And every few years... 9-11 will be part of nationals, just sure. the way the calendar falls. And um, we all think of it. I bet. I bet. Um, so, Kathy, you had mentioned before we got on that you were the, the least celebrated national champion of our group of large number of national champions. Um, it's five, right? It's five. It's five. Um, by the way, nothing to be, <laughs> nothing to sneeze at. One is amazing. This company? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, nothing to sneeze at. One is amazing. Five is even more amazing. Um, but you have been so involved in all of what makes Solo what Solo is, what Autocross is, uh, from working with the region to working with national to being part of putting on national championships. Um, can you share with us just a little bit about the undertaking that is putting on a national a Solo Nationals? <laughs> Yeah, Karen. Karen's right there with me on this one because you, yeah. um, she she and Ron chaired nationals three times. Yep. Um, I chaired it three times. Uh, solo nationals only functions if everybody wants to do a piece of it um, a little bit more than just your work assignment. It only functions because probably at least a third of the people there are willing to do that extra. Um, Bob Tanell has been chief steward for more years than I can count. And um, I think he's in the chief steward emeritus club now. Um, Patty is one of the people that is uh, running around taking care of the little um, glamorous things that nobody thinks of very much, but they have to be taken care of. Um, Putting nationals together, the, the staff arranges the site. They do a huge amount of it. Um, often people don't recognize how much the staff actually does, how much the national field staff does. It truly would not happen if that crew of, what is it, about 200 people for chiefs and everything else, Karen, if you count them all, yeah, I think the basic chiefs list is usually around 70, 75 people, but there's so many others. So, Karen, okay. what, go ahead. Yeah, so, so Karen, what's what's more rewarding? Put, chairing a successful solo nationals or, or winning a solo national championship? 
Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I have to say which but it's one. My, but it's my job to ask that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had one nationals that we one of the three we did, 15, 16, 17, where for the first time in our memory, the weather was perfect all four days, which you don't always get at Lincoln, and everything went amazingly well. And by the end of the week, it was like, wow, that was cool. Um, so that was that was a very positive experience. There were a couple of competitive years at nationals that were very positive experiences too, because they were hard. Is it is it more fun to win a national championship when you've got someone four one thousandths of a second behind you than it is to win a yes. national championship by three seconds? I, I'm guessing nobody yeah. wins by three seconds, but by a larger margin. <laughs> It's absolutely more fun when there's someone making it difficult to do. Yes. Yeah. And I would assume it's also more fun when you, when you beat someone who's beat you several times before. <laughs> that would have been Linda Mitchell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all have that person, you know, who, who, who we couldn't beat. And then finally we, we, even if it was someone who you, you'd finished third and they finished fourth, right. That uh, finally got it done. Well, she was from California, so we went down to their events, and they sometimes came up to ours, and she kicked my butt all the time west of the Rockies. But for some reason, when we got to nationals, it 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 was difficult, but it was the other way around. And, and the first time I was able to do that, it was a happy experience for me. Let's talk Hall of Fame for a second. You're both SECA Hall of Famers. Um, when you look at how Solo is is – part of the hall of fame and you look at the names that you guys are on the hall of fame in the hall of fame with um i i, I just think it's pretty remarkable that the club um recognizes all its different pieces on that typical st on that stage um is that is that something you guys have thought about yeah i think the hall of fame um steering committee works really hard to make sure the nominating committee and the selection committee are both a good mix of people from all parts of our club um, so that that recognition is there. Um, you know, some, some of my heroes, the people that were running our program when I started this thing are Grant Reynolds, Art Trier, and Mark Gerstein, they're all in the Hall of Fame. And um, when I got selected, that phone call from Art Trier saying, Madam Chairman, because that's what he always called me when I was chair of the SEB, Madam Chairman, congratulations. It meant the world to me. Um, I'm really glad the club seeks out to have balance among all of our programs in those two committees. Right, right. Karen, what was it like when you got the phone call? Oh my, well, I was sitting at my desk at work, um, phone rang and, you know, hi, this is Jeff Daner, president of SCCA. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. I did something <laughs> bad. You know, cause at the time I was, I was working for the solo events board, um, helping them with clerical stuff so they could pay attention to the important things. And um, I thought, oh, they're going to fire me. Um, and then he explained what it was, and I just, I just shook my head. I was, it was, it was unreal to me. Um, it was, it was one of those times when I just couldn't come up with anything to say. Um, so he fortunately was smart enough to figure this out, and he kept talking and explaining the process and the trip to the convention and all this stuff. Um, but I was, I was flabbergasted. That's a good word for that. Yeah, definitely. All right, story time. We've got about five minutes left. And remember, it's just the three of us here. No one's watching. No one's ever going to hear this. Um, share with me, uh, if you can, uh, one of your favorite memories from pick, pick whatever event you want to share it with. You're all like, I'm not going first. I'm going to put Kathy on the spot. <laughs> I already shared one, um, the one from, from, 2001 sure. but um i think one of my favorite memories from solo nationals was at heartland park 
Um, my dear friend, Jeanette Jordan, had the tightest battle she's ever, ever had to win a class championship. And I did more math that day, figuring out um, the margin she needed and what she got and what the time was. And it was nine thousandths that she won by. And um, Jinx actually believed me when I told him she won. And to me, that was just the greatest thing because she'd struggled so hard on that event. Yeah. Karen, do you have a, a story that you want to you want to share with us? I would have to say it would be when Ron won his first one in 91, because as usual, he was battling Dwight Mitchell um, among a, a number of other hot shoes in A Street prepared. And he'd, he'd gone in a year or two before with a lead after the first day and kind of fell apart the second day. And so we had a joke that, you know, Skippy came out and drove instead of him. Um, but in 91, he did really well the first day. Um, I think he had a few tents on, on Dwight and the rest of them. The second day, his first run was good enough that even if he hit a cone, I think he would still have had the lead. And I think it was liberating for him because at that point, he just kept getting faster. And he ended up winning a really tough class by what was a, a noticeable margin at the time. And after his second run, he looked around, and he said, I think it's mine. And we just we just hugged and grit. It was just we'd been working to get there for 11 years. And of course, that put the onus on me to win the women's side of it, which worked out. But there was pressure there. But when he got that first one was was a liberating moment. Uh, it, your answers are remarkable to me. And they're remarkable because I think it's very typical of the SCCA and the racing family is that you both told stories about somebody else's wins. And that's pretty cool. I mean, and, and you know, yes, it was your husband. So maybe you felt like you had to. But no, I don't think you did. Um, but I mean, you, you didn't pick something that you had accomplished or you were part of. Oh, you were part of it. But but I think that's uh, that says a lot about why we get together and do this kind of stuff. It's not always about us and how we compete and where we finish. It's, it's about being there with family and friends and doing it. Exactly. It's the family thing in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the 50th is coming up. What are you guys most looking forward to uh, at this year's event? Um, what's, uh, what's going to be the highlight for you this year at the 50th? Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night's going to be great, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that um, my car that I ran at the 25th, the 30th, and the 35th oh, that's is right. going to be right. coming back. Um, parts are a little obsolete right now, but we're working pretty hard at getting it back there. And, you know, in September, there's nowhere else I want to be. Yeah. What's the car? It's a 1985 E-Prepared Honda Civic. Nice. Nice. And then you said Tuesday night. What happens Tuesday night for those who might not know? Because I'm sure that some of the people watching are not not autocrossers. Tuesday night, there will be this big celebration, dinner, party, <laughs> night at the museum, gathering um, over at the Museum of American Speed and Speedway and the Fireman's Hall across the parking lot. Um, it's kind of a kind of a limited attendance thing because it's got a, a capacity that won't hold all 13 or 1400 of us. But it's it's going to be something that we haven't done anything like that in a long time. Yeah. So very cool. Well, we had an opportunity to preview the CCA solo display that is set up in there. Correct a couple spelling errors, um, but the display is great. It tells so much about what our club is, what our program is, and it's staying there for not just our week, but it's staying there for a while. And that's pretty important when you look around that museum and see what else is in there. Oh, that place is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. I, I didn't even know there was a museum in Lincoln. So I'm I'm looking forward to trying to get to that. Oh, it's, yeah, it's huge. You have, can't do that one in an hour. Okay. Yeah. You, ha you have to go. And I believe that they are making, the museum will be open during the week. Um, and they are making special accommodations for participants in Solo Nationals to be able to go there. 
And it is amazing. Take as much time as you can to get through it. Sure. Sure. Uh, Karen, Bab, Kathy Barnes, thank you. Uh, our next guest on our next series uh, is going to be Mark Daddio. And uh, another one of those folks I was told are must-haves. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. And uh, that's going to come up here in a couple of weeks. So look forward to that. And uh, I think we then round out the series with uh, Larry Lefty McLeod. And uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. We had him on last year. Funny story, I don't know if you know, we had him on last year as a preview show. And then I was going to have him on uh, each night uh, during uh, the end of each round um, to do a, like a, a preview, uh, a recap show. And um, I, I had found out from a little source uh, that he was going to win the Driver of Eminence Award. Uh, and when I got him on the first the first episode, um, we skipped all of that, and it was just about him winning the Driver of Eminence. So uh, that was pretty cool. So uh, looking forward to all of that. Thank you both for being with us, and uh, we, will, uh, we will continue to catch up down the road and hopefully at Lincoln as well. So. All right. Thanks, Brian. I look forward Thank to you. seeing you there. I, yep. I do, too. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Inside the SECA. If you like what you saw and what you heard, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network and the Racing Network on YouTube so you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guests are. Leave a question on Twitter. It's at RacingWireNet. There's a new episode of Inside the SECA every week. I'm Brian Belansky. Have yourself a fantastic weekend, stay safe, and go play with cars. I'm Abby Shear, and this is Inside the SCCA. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests, and not that of the SCCA.